Radio Days Africa podcast is brought to you by the Vids Radio Academy. Radio Days Africa 2020 is about to go live. Hi and welcome. It's Radio Days 2020 and the new normal. I'm Neil Johnson. We have an interesting day today asking the program manager and I know all of us are going to be under the cosh on this one. <laughs> but first of all, before, before we start out, it's a, a dreary day in Joburg. We're expecting that cold front to hit us on Saturday. Uh, and my old bones are like squeaking here. But uh, Radio Day is put together with the Bits Radio Academy under the auspices of the uh, School of Journalism at the University of Quadrant. We'd like to thank them. Also, like to thank our, our sponsors, uh, supported by the Conrad Adenauer Institute, as well as RCS Africa, Iono FM, the National Association of Broadcasters, Abundant uh, Media Group, as well as the Crossfade uh, s- Studios. I know we've got an all-male panel here today, and we're going to come under a lot of pressure about we're the females, and it's one of the things we do want to talk about t- today. Um, but don't forget, there's another session uh, with uh, Radio Days on the 27th of July, where again, we can uh, you, can be, you can be asking the program managers questions as well. So we, if we don't get through all the questions today, there is another opportunity later in the month. Um, first of all, I'd like to welcome our guests. Um, our first panelist is Chris Chuane. Chris started his uh, career in community radio in, in Bochabella in the Free State. He joined the SABC in 2009 as a sport content producer, became an executive producer in 2013. He joined Radio 2000 uh, in uh, 2013, up until 2018, where he was the program manager. And as you know, Radio 2000 has done pretty stupendously in the last couple of years. And currently, Chris is at Bokamaso FM in Lesotho. Our second panelist is Sianda Fikalepi. I've worked with Sianda for a long time. In fact, we headhunted uh, Sianda from Algo FM as a production producer. He came up to Kaya, worked in the music department as a music compiler. He's worked for the GCIS, following uh, prominent politicians around the world and recording their tirades, as well as working at um, Radio 2000 as the program manager, and later on the award-winning program manager at Mkhlobo uh, Wenene, the SABC PBS station. And finally, Henny Myberg, and he's the current program manager at uh, Jacaranda FM. Uh, and he started out at Varsity, got caught up in Tux FM, um, and he passed his, his, his undergrad, I know he did, unlike a lot of people who get involved in campus radio and kind of never do finish their degrees. Um, and he joined J- Jacaranda as the music manager. Uh, he left the company for a while to do industrial like relations for a while, but he managed to, to get back as a music manager and now currently runs all the programming at Jacaranda FM. So thanks for joining us, guys. Um, first of all, just to open up, Chris, what's uh, COVID-19 been like in Lesotho and how's it affected your, like the station that you're currently running? It's, it's tough, Neil, working differently because obviously with COVID, you have to be very cautious of what you do. Currently, what we have, we've got a couple of shows that are broadcast outside studio. Obviously, we need to have plan B. Uh, our breakfast show, our afternoon drive, and a couple of shows are not being broadcast from the studio because obviously, time and again, we need to send our staff out for testing. 
your mark is muted then everything becomes becomes difficult different so we're trying our level best to keep everyone at ease especially our listeners but it's called in Lesotho which makes life difficult for everyone from broadcasting to government as well it's difficult because it's cold just to uh, reiterate if you want to connect with us you can uh, put your comments in the chat or in the Q&A and we'll and we'll get to them also you can follow us on on Facebook on the Bits Radio Academy Facebook page, as well as at Radio Days Africa on Twitter with the hashtag uh, Radio uh, RDA 2020. Uh, you can send us voice notes as well to 079-528-0000. If you're outside the country, just the country code's plus 27 and you drop the zero. So that's 079-528-0000. Or you can go to the Bits Radio Academy uh, website as well. That's www.radio. Radio Days Africa. Siander, how's it affected things at Five FM? Um, it's been, I mean, interesting first um, five months. Um, I mean, we've had to overhaul our our strategies, um, change things around. It has certainly put um, the team under pressure um, to make sure that everything goes out, um, to make sure that um, we still deliver the expected product under these conditions. Because I mean, to be honest, it's 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 not an easy thing to do, um, not knowing um, whether whether the pandemic is going to is going to end when. Um, it, it has certainly put the team under pressure, and and fortunately, we, we've managed to um, function under that pressure. Henny, what's it been like at Jacaranda? Yeah, Neil, definitely different. I think that we 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 might have thought about what the future of work and the future of broadcasting would look like in 10 years, and it it kind of happened in 10 days. <laughs> so um, you know, I think I think it's really shown us the value of 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 really great technical people within the building and really great producers, um, and then the resilience from talent and from and from the team. So uh, you know, we we broadcasted uh, all the shows remotely uh, for almost a month. Um, which worked, which worked really well. Uh, we've got, we've got the daytime uh, talent back in studio at the moment, but we've got a majority of the team still working remotely. Um, and I think, I think it shows, it shows that 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 these that these kind of things are possible. So you know, it it makes you reevaluate, uh, you know, how how we can all operate uh, going forward. So interesting. Okay, let's get into our first set of questions. Please, we'll, if you're online with us and you're registered and you in, in the session with us, we encourage you to go to the Q&A and send us your questions as well as in the chat screen and we'll, and, and we'll get to them. Um, we got an email like last night from Quena Makato and he's got three questions here. And the first one, Henny, um, I think you can take this one. How can interns show 100% commitment in the station and ask personality stroke employees politely to show them all the ropes of the station without stepping on each other? <laughs> hey, Quinna. Um, politely in the radio environment. Great. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I think having, come, having come from campus radio myself, uh, I think that, that the best way to, to, to get stuck in is just to, just to get your hands dirty and to raise your hand and to, and to get involved. You know, to get involved in in all of the areas. I think that um, you've already seemingly got the right approach in terms of uh, you know being being respectful of people's spaces and all of that. But at the same time, you know, all of us all of us started um, as juniors within this industry. So I think that there's a lot of tolerance 
to impart knowledge. I think I think that people are more likely to impart knowledge in this industry than than a lot of others. So you know, I think I think that showing your showing your willingness to learn and showing showing your your ability to show up and to assist um, will really will really uh, help you. So yeah. Okay, Siander, there's a question for you. Um, what are the criteria? This is also from Quena. Uh, what are the criteria of a good content producer? And how can a community campus content producer adjust to, in a commercial station? Yeah, um, um, thank you for that. Um, hi, Quena. I think what's important is to firstly understand that the, the industry one has, has evolved. Um, and you, you, you're no longer only a content producer. You, you, you have to evolve into a content creator. Uh, because essentially what, what what's currently happening is stations are um, competing with content creators outside their immediate environment. So to, to be a content um, producer into that commercialized space, you first need to be a, 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 a creator because you will not only be expected to produce content, you'll be expected to um, rehash that content, edit that content, um, package the content, um, and then in, in 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 coming months or in coming years, you'll find out that um, one person is doing all these um, all these functions, which which all boils down to being a content creator. So I think um, you that's what you need to look um, look at doing. Be able to edit, uh, be able to package. Um, at at the at the extreme, you can also present. Okay, Chris Atten. Good to have you online. We can actually see you now. That's great. There's a question for you. How can young creatives with a small social media following work with commercial radio stations? I think, Nick, the most important thing that I want to give to Kwena is when you start broadcasting, the most important thing is to be a broadcaster. You know, when we... I think we've got a... The contract of talent, not just an individual. So you need to hone that. Forget about social media. I'm yet to be convinced as, as a former programs manager. I'm yet to be convinced that social media numbers translate into radio audience. I've checked, I've tried, I've done my own research in the past couple of years. It doesn't. That is why stations currently in the country, they look for talent. If you have a big followers on, 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 on social media, it's a big plus. I mean, I'll make an example for you. If you listen to Jacaranda, for instance, everything revolves around the station. Even on air, it's Jaka Sport, it's Jaka News. It's all about the station because everything revolves within the station. So you as a presenter, you need to hone your craft and ensure that you fit in into a station. It should not be the other way around. Forget about social media, hone your craft, become on air personality, become a presenter, you get contracted to deliver content on air. Your delivery should be the key. Forget about people who are following you. People follow you for other reasons, but you should be followed online for one thing, which is broadcasting. And a skill is you need to be able to present. As a news reader, this. Chris, we're having some connection problems there. But just to just to just to come in here, I think most uh, stations have license conditions. Well, all stations have license conditions for the CASA, and I'm sure a lot of them have a training component. And in some of the stations I've worked at, to deal with learnerships, internships, shadowing has got to be 
part of strategy, part of policy, and needs to be managed in, internally. And so when people come on learnerships or, or, or internships or come to shadowing, there's got to be some kind of plan. You can't just be throwing people into departments or into the newsroom, into the music department. There needs to be a structure and, and some kind of feedback loop so when they leave, um, you know, they're, they're going to take something away with them that's going to be useful to them in, in the future. Um, and then the other thing about the content producers is, or, or producer, I think that this, this notion of having different departments and hierarchies has actually uh, been phased out. And the way we've got to deal with content in the future is looking at teams. And in those teams will be digital skills, content creation and, and, and uh, skills, as well as the technical skills, the editing, the video, the audio, and then the curation of stuff in, in the online environment. So people have need to be skilled in a number of ways. So this hyper-specialization that people have, I only do this or I only do that. I think I think those things are are going to be falling away in the future. Chrissy, you're back with us. There, we lost you. Yes, I am. I'm okay. back, Nick. Okay, let's get to some questions. We've got a lot of questions. Uh, they come flooding in um, from uh, Sima Fio. There's how can a, a radio presenter who's currently unemployed approach a program manager to possibly get a job at this station or get feedback and pointers to work on? And, and just um, that's quite important because as program managers, and I'd like to ask you individually, how many demos are you getting a week and how do you deal with them? See you under. Hi. Um, so on average, I'm getting about uh, 12 demos a week. Um, and then what, I, what, I, what I've done is I've, I've set out um, a specific day um, during the week where I I go through all the demos um, and based on the policies that I have for 5FM um, and the style guide that we have as 5FM, and then I assess and respond based on, 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 on that style guide. Um, and also it's, it's, it's very important that the issue, the issue around demos, that when someone is, is, is busy recording or, or doing a demo, you need to understand the brand you are sending the demo to. What type of brand um, are you sending that demo? And from my end, is it's a matter of understanding: uh, uh, is, is is the person delivering on 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 just the basics? Because um, we do come across where demos are just failing on the basics, and also understanding that the amount of time that we have as program managers, um, we do not have enough hours in a day, so. Um, the time we spend is, is, is really important on the demos. So we try by all means to, to, to respond, um, but um, some others uh, you, 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 you just don't find time to respond to. But it's important that if you are sending a demo, you need to understand the brand you are sending to and are you a brand fit? Chris, how are you responding to approaches with demos and CVs? For, for me, I was fortunate enough because with, with 2000, um, the strategy was very simple. Instead of you looking for us, I would look for you. I would listen to almost every station in the country because of the reach. You know, 2000 would, I think it was one of the, currently it's one of the three stations in the country with the national footprint. So it was easy for me to listen to different stations and listen. But the most important thing that Sianda pointed out, Nick, is you need to be able to find a fit. You know, you need to be able to assess yourself as a presenter and look at the station and say, if I go to Jacaranda and speak to Henny, or if I go to Kai and speak to Nick, for instance, 
Would I fit in there? And once you can answer that, then you'll be able to create your demo in line with the station strategy and how the station sounds. Because the most important thing is the sound. Are you are going to be able to fit into the station or the other way around? So I receive around nine to 10 demos a week and I would respond to say, you know what, go to your community or campus stations, start from the bottom. It's, it's you know, from a distance, it's easy when you're looking at it and say, I want to work for 5FM, I want to work for Chakaranda, Kaya. There are so many stations in the country currently and everyone believes they can crack it. It's fine to have confidence, but start from elsewhere. So that when you look back and say, this is where you started and then you build your career over the years, that gives you the experience and the knowledge and that as well. You also need to be able to go attend workshops, you know, go to seminars, invest in your craft, ask for inputs, ask for advices. When you do your demo, sometimes you, 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 have, you get a demo and you can tell this has been edited overly because you can tell how a demo should be and how a person sounds. Now you interview a person and you listen to a demo, it's two different things. But the most important thing is forget about demos. Be a presenter at a campus station, you will be heard, your community will appreciate you first. And then from there, it's easy for you to be able to move up the ladder to a regional station up until you get to national station. Okay, Henny, how many demos are you getting a week and how are you de dealing with them? Yeah, Neil, I probably also, I think similar to what Chris and Sandra are saying, uh, probably about 15 to 20 um, in a week. And, uh, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult to get to get through to get through everything. I think that, you know, if and where, where time allows, uh, you know, we try and listen to you as much as we can. Um, I'll I'll share I'll share some of it with uh, some of my team to get to get a bit of an outside ear into it as well. But I think you know what Chris was saying now makes makes sense to me, and I agree with that. I think that uh, you know, as as talent or as a as as an aspiring broadcaster, you need to you need to be able to 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 solve a problem for for the person you're approaching. So when you're approaching, um, you know, someone at Five of uh, you know, how are you? How are you contributing to Five of um, You know, and I think that I think that 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 can allow you to come across in a much more focused and direct way than sending a message to twenty people and saying, "Hi, please find my demo attached." Uh, you know, I think I think that's that's that that's a real way to to engage. Um, so yeah. So that's 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 my take on it. Yeah, just in my personal experience, uh, I was taught a very good lesson where you've got to listen to every every demo you get and and respond to them. I know it takes a bit of time, but um, in my career, there's been on more than one occasion where I've overlooked someone, and then I've heard them on a commercial broadcast and gone, I haven't done my job. You know, so people when they send you demos, you got to take them seriously. They want to get in, and I mean, um, one of the kind of prerequisites we all love football is there's only 11 on the field and four on the bench and that's how much space we have and uh, a lot of people go oh you never answer you know you never give me a chance this comes back to the development of talent and what we spoke about earlier in terms of uh, internships like learnerships and sh and shadowing just to remind all, all the people online we've got a poll here <laughs> um, and you can enter it and, and say yes or no or more than once and the question is have you ever emailed the program manager with a demo and never received a a reply. It's going to be a difficult one at the end of the, at the end of the show. Just to get into our questions quickly, uh, just just one more uh, question before we go to voice notes. Um, 
and it's from Clem Weasel, one of the moderators for Radio 2020. And this is something that program managers struggle with every single day or every single year when it's for contract renewal time. We keep recycling the same on-air talent between radio stations. How do we break this cycle? Siander? Um, you know, in, in, in one conversation I've, I've had around talent, I was saying that the entire industry is to blame um, because we, we did not create the spaces to start incubating um, talent. Um, and and it, it's, it's a matter of how, as an industry, we respond to that. So to make a simple example, with with um, with Asset Five, there was a there was an innovation which was launched a year ago, where there were um, there was there, there was a competition ran, and out of that there was a squad. It was called the Five Squad. Now these were these 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 kids were incubated within the station, so they got to learn. Um, the 5FM way of doing radio. Um, they, they got to learn the commercial way of doing radio. And fast forward 12 months and the three of them were absorbed in, in, into the lineup. So the industry, within the industry, we need such innovation where stations themselves um, or broadcasting houses create these incubation um, incubational spaces where talent is is, is taught um, the ins and outs of the brand of commercial broadcasting or, or anything around broad, broadcasting and radio. Anyone else want to have a comment on that? Have a go before we go to voice notes. Yeah, uh, Neil, I think I think that uh, you know it is it is difficult, and I think that especially uh, you know when you consider the commercial stations and the role that they have to play. Uh, you know, I think that there's a that there's a balance that needs to occur, where where you know audiences uh, you know often seek familiarity and of audiences seek seek that sort of connection to a talent, uh, which is part of our mandate to entertain that audience. Um, but on the other hand, you know, we need to we need to have these spaces. We need to we need to create um, um, elements where we can where we can draw and we can nurture talent, and not just and not just talent for on air. I think that the more critical thing is is the warfare talent, and I think that it might be something that we discuss a little bit later. But in terms of uh, shortage of talent, in terms of producers, um, in terms of technical staff, I think that there's a real need to develop a lot of that. Uh, you know, so we've been working with Bits for for years on a, on on an internship program, and we've seen we've seen great results in that, and we've we've got people still working within the organisation now. Um, so yeah, Chris. Re, like regurgitating the same old DJ station, the station every year in April. Okay. Okay, Chris is having a bit, bit of technical issues there. Okay, um, let's get to some voice notes and see what questions come up. This is Radio Days Africa 2020. It's Aubrey from Alex FM. Uh, you guys said that voice and talent are not enough and therefore more skills are needed. Uh, what do you really mean when you say more skills are needed? Are you guys able to tabulate a few more skills that can make one a great on a presenter? 
Good day. My name is Ignatius from LFM in Stexpro. I just want to find out how do they do the RAMs? Which company is doing the RAMs? Thank you. Hi, this is Tumelo, all the way in Botswana, and I wanted to ask um, the things that are really necessary or the equipment necessary to start podcast. This is Radio Days Africa 2020. Okay, a couple of interesting, couple of interesting questions there. Um, let's start off with uh, Aubrey's question. He emailed it to me as well. Aubrey and I have a long history, going back a couple of years. Um, uh, Aubrey's thing was uh, voice and talent, and I've always said more skills. And um, if you're going to be, I mean, when we spoke about demos and 95% of the demos we get are people who want to be on air. But radio is quite a is a is a dynamic like business, and there's a lot more going on behind the scenes than just putting on the microphone. So, any uh, in terms of additional skills as a program manager, what do you need besides the on-air skills? Well, you know, I think part of the part of the on-air skills that 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 we need, uh, you know, more than just more than just a voice and things like that, is being able to to entertain the audience, and that means that you need to be able to develop that skill of storytelling, first of all. I think that that's something that, that, that is often overlooked. Uh, you know, we'll often see when we, when we speak to talent, it, it, it becomes very formulaic. So being able to, to, draw, to draw that in. But I think that, you know, as we mentioned earlier, part of, part of what, what we're experiencing now is, is uh, the need to be able to do everything. So you need to be able to, to edit to be able to basically edit some audio. You need to be able to be technically astute that if something goes wrong, that you can at least do a basic level of troubleshooting. You need to understand uh, music clocks and, and, and how that structure and form flows and why that's in place. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of programming kind of need around that. Plus, then you also need to have your sales hats and your marketing hats on at times where you need to understand the value you need to deliver to the client um, and to the brand. So there's a lot, there's a lot to go on. Um, Sianda, have you got any points on this, the skills that, that you need besides the on-air skills in radio? Um, to, to, to my earlier point, Neil, one of, one of the key things is to, is, is to be able um, to, to, to create content. Um, copying and pasting is, is one thing. But um, creating an extension from 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 what you've sourced, which is you rehash what what what's already been ex- is in existence, and you 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 make it your own. So um, those those are the additional skills um, which are in most times re- required in radio. And then then to to Henry's point as well, um, if you are handed a fifteen page ad log. Um, you need to be able to um, focus on that on that ad log because it, it concerns money. So there are, there are a whole lot of other different elements um, that that are behind the scenes um, for 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 a basic three-hour show. That um, that that as 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 a as a content creator, you need to be aware of. Um, you you need to be comfortable around in that environment. So Chris, you've been. A producer, you've been a program manager, now you're a station manager. What are the skills that, or the skill shortages that, that you're finding in, in terms of this, not just the on-air part? The biggest, biggest problem that we find, Nick, is the revenue money element. Because in, in broadcasting, the only thing that we have as an asset is airtime. 
and you need to be able to, to sell it. As a presenter beyond presenting, you need to be able to execute your responsibilities as a presenter to be able to attract sponsors. Sell the station, able to run the desk on your own. You need to be able to push the envelope. That is why I don't believe in censoring my talent because everyone needs to be free to do whatever they want, be creative, think outside the box. And we know you've got your busy CSAs and you've got complaints, but that's that's something else. You need to be able to create content like Sienna is saying, and that content should be able to make revenue for the station. You must be able to sell it. And if you attend workshops where you present yourself a talent, you say, this is Neil, and Neil, please tell our us as program managers. We must develop our own presenters, assist them wherever we can to ensure that they tick all the boxes. Our presenters should be able to be sellable. They need to be marketable. They need to be able to create revenue on air and off air, including on social media as well. Thanks for that. We've got a couple of questions here. I've got one from Sepang Moji. Podcasts and YouTube channels are growing in South Africa, and perhaps this points to people loving content and engagement. What are stations, music stations, doing to improve their on-air content offering? Music on radio can always be substituted with Apple Music or Spotify, and streaming is an extreme uh, kind of uh, area that we are afraid of. Uh, uh, but people are willing to pay for that. But what are we putting our emphasis on content? Not just quizzes and games, but engaging content. What are program managers doing with their on-air teams, their producers, and their presenters in this digitized thing thing we're doing? Sianda? Um, I think the first thing we, we as, as a programmer, you, you understand is the, the evolution of consumption um, of, of how radio is consumed by your audience. And now audience is no longer available only on, on one platform there are different touch points that you, you have to satisfy from, from an audience um, consumption point of view. So um, when you are crafting a, a content structure, you, you really need to look at what you are running on your terrestrial platform um, and how is your social and digital media platforms doing to, um, um, to, to, to complement your terrestrial platform so that your, 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 your content streams are, are running parallel. So um, those, those are the things that as a programmer, you need, to look, you, you need to look into. And then also making sure that you utilize your talent in a manner that they are visible in all these platforms and in not only in one platform. Any Jacaranda has had a really uh, successful digital strategy and has been there for, for, for quite a while. Um, what, what have you guys done to get to the point to make this a viable uh, business for you? Yeah, Neil, we have, and I, it's, it's, been, it's been a long time coming. It's not something that's, that just happens overnight. And I think that, that part, of the, part of the strategy that's worked really well is, is firstly knowing what we need to talk to our audience about, um, because I might find something interesting. It doesn't mean that our audience will find that interesting. So a lot of it is research driven. I think that research is a critical part of any media uh, these days. So uh, being able to research and knowing exactly what to, what to engage that audience with. And then secondly, I think focusing on, on, on local and relevant um, issues or topics, whatever you want to call it, 
you know, also works works really well. I think it's 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 critical that you talk about stuff that matters to the audience, and then, as Yanda was saying now, to be able to carry that carry that from on air, where you've got access to an audience. Uh, onto social media platforms or to translate it into video content, uh, you know, all of that, all of that within that within that ecosystem can can amplify or take different different angles to that. Uh, but essentially, it needs to be relevant and it needs to, I think, be 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 local. So tell me, does the clickbait work the best? The clickbait works the best for a click, but it doesn't work for the <laughs> back. <laughs> no, I think I think clickbait is a is a um, is a very real thing, and I think we all we all fall fall guilty to that sometimes. Um, but I think that I think that where where we see real um, connections and we see return uh, traffic and engagement is is when there's when there's um, you know real proper content that's not clickbaity and it, even more so when the talent gets involved i think that you know when uh, you know people people love um engaging directly with the talent and social media um, and the digital platforms allow for a lot more of that two-way communication rather than rather than the traditional terrestrial broadcast Siana, in one of the uh, voice notes that we received from a lady in, in botswana you've been involved in the technical production and the back-end tech and IT, and her question was, what equipment do you need to broadcast? I mean, it's, it's, if, you, if you look from, you know, desk to transmitter and what goes on in, like in a studio, it, it's not an easy question, but what, but what are the basics? Um, the basics really are, um, you, you need a decent, a decent microphone, um, a, a decent laptop, where you're going to load your um, your software, your editing software, and and broadcast software if, if you're going to go live, um, and most importantly, a stable internet connection. Um, and um, because we, we, without that connection, you you will um, you, you will struggle. So um, those are just the basics, um, and you you need to create an audience for yourself. So which means that um, also creating a blog at the same time, um, so that you can you can drive audience um, and, and onto, on, onto your uh, podcast. So um, from a broadcasting point of view, um, then it, it gets to the space of transmission. And then it's, um, that's when your costs will start escalating. But if you are going internet, um, internet is, is, is the easiest way to do it. Okay, I just want to go back to, um, I mean, there, there are a lot of questions on the Q&A as well as in the chat uh, area around developing skills and trying to get into radio stations. And I think we can personally, all of us deal with those and just answer them off, offline to the particular uh, de delegates who have been asking around this. And during this COVID period, I mean, we read, our newspapers have been through massive retrenchments, maybe in two or three cycles of retrenchments. Radio stations are, are starting now. We heard about the news 20, or the, the NASPAS stuff yesterday, Prime Media, Kaya, uh, the SABC are also looking at it. Um, and this this goes to a point where um, there's a question here from Lance Clarkson saying, are shareholders putting stations first or themselves? I know it's, we don't want to look bad in front of our employers, but this is like a real issue. And are stations really 
going the whole hog and really going deep on this before they're starting to get to the point where it's retrenchments. Siander? Um, uh, you know, radio, radio is a business, um, first and foremost, and more especially for, for, for commercial, for commercial, for commercial brands. It's a business. Um, it is run as a business. Um, and then you, you get to an issue of the, the actual business model. Um, how, how, do you, how do you evolve the business model? What do you do with the business model? Because as a business, it gets to a point that the model isn't, isn't functional anymore. So how do you future-proof the current business um, of, 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 of a radio station or a brand? So um, those, those are conversations that, that need to happen um, at, a, at a high level um, from, from, a strategy, from a strategy point of view so that um, businesses don't get to that point. However, with, um, with, with the industry being hit by the pandemic, um, it, it, it was an issue of, it was sudden. No one knew about it. Um, so as a consequence, the industry is, is, is suffering. But the issue of, of business models is something that at high level, it needs to be looked into um, on a regular basis to future-proof the business. Chris, have uh, you faced any of these kind of potential retrenchments or cutbacks where you're working? Well, in terms of cutting costs, I started a couple of years ago um, with 2000, started coming up with cost-saving measures because running a station as huge as 2000 meant our operational costs were extremely high. And I introduced um, automation between 12 midnight until six, seven days. So saved a couple of millions there. And um, obviously with COVID, same thing is gonna happen. Unfortunately, it's, it's a decision that someone has to take. Obviously you have to put your loyalty to the business and ensure that instead of shutting down completely, at least you're able to cut costs, cut a couple of people, unfortunately, but as long as you run the business, unfortunately it's part of the business. COVID is affecting everyone, including our advertisers. So we have to make those unpopular decisions and cut overheads. If you do cut heads at stations, don't you think that content will suffer? Obviously when you cut, you don't cut key essential team or your presenters obviously whenever i cut i always cut late night programs you know that's why i cut because most stations currently don't have audiences at night uh, obviously even advertisers they don't spend more at night so that's where i always start to, to cut costs not your prime slots any um there's a question in the voice notes as well how does RAMS work? I mean, obviously, this is like our currency in the commercial market with ad agencies and, and marketers and clients, but a lot of people don't really get how RAMS is done, the back end of RAMS. How is RAMS put together and published? So I'll, I'll, I'm going to explain it in the, way, in the way that it was explained to me, in the way that I understand it. Um, so if there are any researchers out there and I get it wrong, my apologies up front. Uh, RAMS uh, or your radio audience measurement um, 
is essentially uh, diary based. So you've got uh, a research company. So it's all administered through the BRC, which is the Broadcast Research Council, South Africa. Um, and they have a supplier who, who does year-round research. Um, they go around and they, and they hand out diaries. People keep a diary or a logbook, if you would, um, of which stations they listen to uh, for a period of two weeks. And then those diaries go back. And then all of that data gets ingested. Um, and 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 that that then gives you an indication of audience. So it's very much um, it's very much based on 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 census data. There's a lot of uh, uh, you know so based on based on how many people are in the area that would dictate how many diaries get 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 handed out. Um, and this is and this is a worldwide and this is a worldwide practice. There are there are a couple of different uh, means and measures uh, here and there. But for the most part, uh, you know, the, the, the diary system still, still works really well. And Neil, as you said, it's, it, is, it is our currency. I think that, uh, you know, when, when your rams go up, you believe that they're legit. When your rams go down, you <laughs> look for flaws, right? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a necessary evil. And I know that I get hot palpitations every time that, that, ram, that ram's diary is about to come out. And, um, we don't take it uh, lightly when those figures come out because the amount of data you can extract from RAMs to give your your pre presenters, producers an idea of what's happening on an average quarter hour, the male, female split, all the demographic information, I think is absolutely pivotal. And presenters and producers and basically everyone in the station should have access to those numbers, be in workshops to actually understand the station's audience. And also you can glean a whole range of uh, data and demographic data about your about your opposition, the stations that you, you, you compete with. So that's one of the things I mean about presenters and producers is um, anyone worth their weight in broadcasting um, would be the first questions I would ask them would be, what's your weekly cum as a presenter? What's your opposition's cum for your time slot? And what's your 30-second spot rate? How much does it cost your show? And if DJs or, or producers or presenters can't give you that information, then as a program manager, you're not doing your job. I mean, uh, I can go to a breakfast show, uh, like presenter, go, what's a 30-second rate on your show? And if they can't answer me that question, I haven't done my job. But look, let's start talking about uh, the age-old thing, and it's been around since I started radio in 1980, is this <laughs> relationship between programming and sales, or as we call it, the programming-sales divide. And um, my, my mantra is if, if I've got to think like a salesperson as a program manager and look for those opportunities and make sure that commercially uh, things go to air in the right way, that we're hitting the right spot, that we're fixing problems during a promotion or a, or a campaign – why don't salespeople think like programmers when they go out to sell? So, Siander, in your experience, does this divide between sales and programming still exist? And if it does, what are you doing to fix it? Um, unfortunately, it's still there. Um, but also what's important is, is, is that constant communication between the, the programming office or the station and the and the sales office, um, making them understand what type of product you 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 you're producing, um, because you know in, in all honesty the, the days of generics are th those days are almost over. 
um, clients are now looking for content integration and content solutions um, for, 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 for their products and they want bang for the buck that they pay. So um, it, 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 it becomes the job of you as the programmer to make, to make them understand that this is the direction that um, the direction the sale should be taking. Um, and, and you explain to them the different components as to why you've, um, you, you've taken that decision. So um, it's, it's constant, constant communication, constant touching point with, with, with the sales office is key in, in making sure that they understand um, what they are selling. Because I've, I've come across instances where um, a salesperson doesn't even understand the brand that they are selling. So um, it, it, it becomes the office's um, job to make sure that they understand it. Christopher, what's your experience in the sales programming divide? Please unmute your mic. Chris, unmute your mic. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I think contrary to what Sandra is saying, I think I've had the best sales manager ever in my broadcasting career. Um, we worked together closely. I think the key was she, she understood broadcasting and programming. So everything was, was made easy for me. We would support their initiatives, they would support us. And as a result, within the first 12 months of me being at 2000, we managed to double our revenue, you know, because we could pull OBs within 24 hours because she understood the station. She understood the programming elements of the station and she understood everything that we stood for. So when she goes to a client, she would know exactly what to sell. And if, if I had the money, I would take it to Lesotho. <laughs> <laughs> Any, now, there are different types of sales. I mean, some stations have sales internally, uh, direct, which means local sales and national sales. SABC has one department that does radio, television, national and local. And, and Henny, you guys work with, with MediaMark, which is an outsourced uh, sales house, and they do your direct and your, and your national. Is there, is there still a sales divide between programming and sales? I think I think it's 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 certainly um, it's certainly much less than what it used to be. I think that in my experience, uh, you know, the one the one really can't exist without the other, right? It really is quite symbiotic, obviously, because those are the two major parts of the business. Um, and I think that I think that when you can get into into a space where there's more um, more of a solution driven approach, and 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 the more we can the more we can train each other. Uh, the more we can understand. So, uh, you know, from a from a media mark perspective, there's a whole training division, and there's constantly training. From a station perspective, there's uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of training. So, I think that the more we know about each other, the more we can understand. Because I think then 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 there isn't this feeling like uh, you know the one is trying to leverage the other one. I think as as soon as there's a feeling like uh, you know that there's that there's mutual benefit for both. Um, then, then uh, it gets better. Yeah, I think in terms of my experience is that um, when you're dealing with uh, salespeople that are arm's length who aren't in the office with you, um, meetings, you know, uh, regular contact, that training you're talking about is getting all the salespeople into a room, talking to them about the station, about the new strategies you're implementing, the new ideas, the new features. That's absolutely pivotal because sometimes I think salespeople go out and they're not armed and dangerous enough. Um, they're just trying to fulfill a like a target. And the more they know about the product and the brand, just like Sianda said, uh, that they know about what's going on currently, the more tools they have 
like in the market. Um, there's one of the questions here in the Q&A from Simla Tsugiri um, saying, Henny, don't you think digital, uh, more digital ways of tracking listeners can be used by RAMs? Um, I, I, I don't want you to answer it, but I think I'll answer it your behalf because we use RAMs as the major accredited research for radio listening. Most radio stations, and I mean, you, you can answer if you like, uh, guys, is uh, there's a lot of other research being done with all the data we're getting from our social media and websites and all the uh, in-house research we do, perceptual research, uh, focus groups. There is a lot of data that is used in conjunction with RAMs to make decisions. And I say that looking at RAMs, it's, it's, it's not the begin and end of everything. It's just it's a good guide to give us ideas of where, where listeners are, where they're listening, how long they're listening for. But there is a lot of other research that goes on that gives us far more insights into the daily lives and wants of our audience. Have you got, guys, anything to add there? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll add a little bit. Some thanks for the question. It's a, it's a good one. Uh, I, think, I think the other major obstacle probably when it comes to RAMs is that, uh, you know, radio, radio can be accessed through so many different platforms. Uh, you know, so how do you how do you effectively measure that? It would have been obviously massively convenient if uh, you know all radios had a little thing that you could plug in, and that could happen. Um, but that's not necessarily possible. I know that uh, you know wearables, as they as they call it, or as you as you lead it, uh, is used in some markets, uh, but that also becomes tricky. Uh, you know, because if I walk into into the engine garage and they're playing Jacaranda, uh, you know it. It picks me up as a listener, but I also didn't necessarily make that choice to listen, although you should make that choice. Um, you know, so, so, but yes, Neil, like other research, definitely, you know, like those, those should really reinforce uh, what your, what your, what your strategies are. Sianda? Yeah, there, there, are, there are different systems you, you can use um, to, to just, um, to zoom in into your particular listener. Um, you can use the different touch points at your at, at your disposal, um, your Facebook, your um, Instagram, and all your other social social media platforms. You can use those platforms uh, to, to to zoom in into your particular listener, and then and the and, and the easiest the easiest of ways is when your listeners are calling. Um, that's that I've I've certainly used that um, in, in the past. Um, to gauge the, the the type of listener, the type of lifestyle, um, and I've I've also seen how some stations are using Facebook as a form of measurement. Um, m- most importantly, Facebook and Twitter. They're using Facebook and Twitter as a form of measurement to say um, this is the type of audience that we have um, on, on on social media. Okay, I mentioned earlier when when we started um, the question that came up uh, that we four guys sitting on a panel talking about programming and the well where, where, where I am in the commercial sector I know that in PBS and, and and community stations when I've been training in community or you know looking at the at the PBS at, at the SABC there are a lot of women in senior decision-making positions in the content and, and programming field. But in the commercial field, I really think it's absolutely lacking. And there's no, I mean, I, I've worked with a lot of people and I'll name people like Clema Wiesa, uh, Matapelo, Monaisa, um, uh, 
and a, and a couple of others that I've worked with that are absolutely program managers. And I just wonder like why they're not coming through and why stations aren't taking them seriously. Women think different and 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 hear differently to men. And sometimes in meetings, you know, you go in with a, a, a preconceived idea and you'll be sitting with uh, a group of people and 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 really the value that comes out of what how women approach problems and conflict is totally different to how to how we uh, see it. And so what what are your opinions around this, Sianda? Uh it starts at high, it starts at a higher level. Um because change 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 needs to happen. Um and also is is the business itself, is the industry itself making sure that there is an enough uh, stream um, of, 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 of talent um, to, so that there is a balance of talent. I mean, uh, I've, I've come across, in my career, I've come across um, a, a number of um, female um, content producers and they're good at it, but the industry um, has, not, has, 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 has failed in a sense to make sure that that healthy stream is maintained. Um, and also, um, what do you do to incubate that talent? Because if the industry is not incubating that talent, then we will we'll be asking this, the very same question five years from now. Any your thoughts on this? Yeah, Neil, definitely. I think that it's something that that the industry needs to needs to address. Uh, you know, I think what I have what I have seen, which has been very encouraging, is um, I've I've seen I've seen a lot of a lot of female leadership um, across across the stations in the last couple of years. You know, I think of Asina Karim at YFM, uh, Trish Taylor at Prime Media. We've uh, just appointed Deirdre King at 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 the Jacaranda. Uh, Bonnie's at East Coast. Uh, you know, so so uh, you know there are there are uh, female leaders in in senior positions, but I think that um, from a programming perspective, I think that there's definitely something to 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 still work towards there because I think that uh, you know the more the more diverse uh, voices you have that you have in the room, the better the better chance you have to a check yourself and better chance you have to actually uh, you know connect with the audience because your audience are all a bunch of different voices so uh, it's definitely something that needs to be needs to be driven harder across the across the um, the sector chris are you still with us i can't seem to find chris on here yeah, I think it's absolutely important that this get like gets addressed. And I'm not talking about in marketing or in news. I'm talking about in the programming sphere. And and you know, I also think that the job of the program manager may be thrown to the sidewalk, whereas you start looking more at programming teams of people that have the appropriate skills in understanding digital, understanding technical, understanding how to curate um, like content. Uh, as opposed to these these hierarchies that we've uh, grown up with in radio, he's the program manager. There's the sales manager, the manager, the manager, etc. And and to flatten this thing because we all share the same uh, kind of outlook in terms of getting stuff on air and online in with the best possible quality and uh, serving like the needs of our audiences. We did the poll earlier around the the program manager and demos, and hopefully they can actually put that up to see what people have, have said around uh, 
there were the, uh, about uh, program managers and, and and demos. But first of all, I'd like to thank everyone for being on the panel today. We have another session. Ask the program manager on the 27th of July, Monday. Sorry we didn't get to all your questions, but what I'm going to do is ask everyone here to please put their email address into the chat thing, and then all the guys that have uh, put stuff in, we've got a load of questions on Q&A, a load of questions on chat, which we haven't got to. And if uh, you'd be as good to put your email address up there so people can actually email you directly, I'm going to try to stay online and go through as many as I can in the next hour or so. But I'd like to thank everyone who's participated today for your questions and your comments. Thanks to Chris Chouane, Henny Myberg, and Sianda Fikalepe. We'd also like to thank our sponsors, and they are the Conrad Adenauer Institute, RCS Africa, our own AFM, the NAB, the Abundant Media Group, as well as Crossfade Studios. And tomorrow will be the fifth day of Radio Days 2020 the new normal. And the session's called the Creative Council. It'll be moderated by Claire Moisa, and the contributors would be uh, Paolo Diaz. He's a content and creative person at Ultimate Media. Rafui Mofokeng, she's at Media Heads 360, and Tim Kelly from Cliff Central. And they'll be looking, about, looking at the changing landscapes, consumer budgets, and our delivery platforms in ready at the moment so that's going to be a really good one i'd like to thank everyone i'm going to try to get to these questions and if you guys can please just put down your email addresses and we can get uh, people can email us as well i'm putting in mine now um it's neil at neiljohnson.co.za and any you guys can put yours in there as well and we can answer some of these questions post the session thanks very much everyone Thank you for joining this Radio Days Africa session. Click to watch or download the podcast. That was a Radio Days Africa podcast brought to you by the Vids Radio Academy.